0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Fridolysnacket.espionation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of fifty-two coupons each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Fredolaysnacket.espionation.com. The Redskins jumped out to an early lead against Dallas, and there it went. Second blown lead in the second week against a division rival. This is the Big Pen Podcast. Let's break it down. Drag up that diesel. oh on, on. Sean Taylor moving backwards, trying to find running room, and he's still on his feet. Can't hold. He's got the first down to the 40. He's gone. The 35, the 30, the 20. He's gone. Down. This is the Big Pen Podcast. I am Denton Day at Denton underscore Day. Week two of the season for the Redskins in the books. And we drop to 0-2. 31-21 the final. The Redskins lose to Dallas at home. There was a whole lot more Cooper chance when Amari Cooper caught the ball at our stadium than I would have liked. But we drop it at home if this is your first time listening. As I said, follow me on Twitter at Denton underscore day. Uh, find our podcast in the Hogshaven podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever the case may be, find us there. And, of course, go over and check us out on Hogshaven.com. The Redskins lose 31-21. to 21, and We got a whole lot of stuff to talk about here. Um, generally, we do some offense stuff. We're going to start with the defense first, though, because this defense, uh, a unit that I thought could be one of the better units in the National Football League, and I know I'm not alone in thinking that, but I was very vocal about how I think this defense can be really, really good. They are not, they are not, not at all, not really good at all. Another 30-point performance. Plain and simple, they kind of got eviscerated. They had a couple good series in the very beginning. They picked Dak Prescott off his first ever interception against us. I hadn't realized that he had played us or played us four or five times and never thrown an interception against us. Uh, but now we have one, Monte Nicholson able to pick him off. And then Dak Prescott kind of became the the very thing that we never thought he would, which was nearly perfect. I think the dude threw four, maybe five incompletions the entire game. Dak Prescott, I mean, I love more than anything to be able to make fun of Dak Prescott. I love to be able to make fun of all Cowboys quarterbacks, but the idea of making fun of Dak Prescott is something that I enjoy very, very much. It is exceptionally difficult to make fun of Dak Prescott when he absolutely lights your team up for an entire game. And that's what he did today. He was nearly perfect, other than that interception, he was unstoppable he's going to get paid you're watching his stock essentially go up and up the more games that he plays and maybe that's a good thing because the more he gets paid you're going to lose some of these other guys like Byron Jones for Dallas is probably going to be the odd man out at some point so we may not have to deal with him much longer but man Dak Prescott torched us and that's something that it hurts very much to say out loud because that's a guy that should not ever torch us but he was the guy that did there's a couple uh we got a couple fingers to point Once again, the pass rush was not anything spectacular. Dak Prescott is very similar to Carson Wentz in the fact that there are a couple times where it seems like the guys are going to have him in the backfield for a sack, and he is just able to evade it. Ryan Kerrigan did pick up his first sack of the year uh, based purely on persistence. He just didn't stop, so great on Ryan Kerrigan for that. But other than that, the pass rush was not anything spectacular. I know that John Allen isn't there. But at a certain point, we can't just keep pointing to the injuries that we have on this team. Great teams, good teams and great teams, very much take advantage of that next man up mentality. And I know we have a lot of injuries. It's unfortunate that we have so many injuries. But at a certain point, somebody is going to have to step up and fill in for the spots here. Whether it's at the cornerback position, which we are. Uh, exceptionally thin at at the moment. They put Dominic Rodgers-Cromartie out there after he got hurt. He was limping. The fact that that Dallas didn't attack him immediately as he came back on the field limping makes zero sense. That was the one flaw that Dallas had this entire game. How they didn't attack him, uh, it didn't make sense. That was kind of a touchdown, a big play waiting to happen, and they just didn't take advantage of that at all. I think that that was right after or right before they threw the interception. Dominic Rodgers-Kermani came back out, and instead they're targeting the other side of the field. So that was a little silly on their end, but we are exceptionally thin at the cornerback position. Our linebackers have actually been decent. I mean, they've probably been the best unit so far, but they haven't been um, anything anything great, anything to run home about, right home about, and then our pass rush has been virtually non-existent. So that's not exactly how it's supposed to be, but there's two guys in particular – that need to get a a good amount of the blame, a good amount of the flack, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the first guy is Josh Norman, who can't stay in front of anybody. He just can't guard anybody without help over the top. There was a time, and I fully believe that uh, during this time, it was legit, that Josh Norman was one of the best corners in the NFL. It was a little bit with Carolina at the very end when they made it to that Super Bowl run. And then for a very small fraction of time... I thought that he was still really, really good with us. It just happened that nobody threw at him. Those days are over. We know that he's a heck of an athlete. We've seen him jump over large animals, running very fast. But he cannot stay in front of anyone. Jason Witten. Jason Witten was getting the better of Josh Norman on a few plays. That is something that cannot happen. This dude has a $75 million contract, $15 million per year average. And he's getting torched by bald Jason Witten, who's a year removed from the Monday Night Football booth. I mean, dude, come on. You got to give us something here. He gave up a long touchdown to a dude that had never caught a pass. It was for dude's first ever touchdown pass. All he did was run straight. And for whatever reason, I don't know if this is more on Josh Norman or if this is more on the defense that was called. But Norman is about a yard off of him at the line of scrimmage. And does not touch him. It's 15 for Dallas. The dude literally made one play, so I don't know what his name is, but he was fifteen for Dallas. Norman didn't touch him. If you're not if you're gonna play that close up to the line of scrimmage, at least get physical with him. And he 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 kind of ran with him, but he slowed down at the very top of the route, which allowed the dude to just kind of cruise solo for like two or three steps, which made a, a big, big gap between him and Norman, and it was a touchdown. And you're just watching it's like, damn, dude, what are you doing? At some point in time, you were literally one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And now you're essentially jogging at one of the most important routes of the game, one of the most important parts of the route. You just stop. It's abysmal. It's absolutely abysmal. That that's something that needs to change. And then the guy, also in the secondary, our secondary is just full of issues right now. Where is Landon Collins? Would Landon Collins please stand up? This dude got $84 million. So Josh Norman's salary is enormous. Landon Collins is even bigger. $84 million. It's a lot of money. He came into this franchise to Ashburn and said, I want 21. And whoa, whoa, whoa. We gave you $84 million and now you want one of the most guarded numbers in this franchise. One of the most loved and protected numbers in this franchise, the great Sean Taylor's number. You have not played a single game, and now you are asking for that. And through the first two games, after he said, you know what? That's fair. I'm going to prove that I earned that number. I'm going to prove that I deserve 21. And two games in, he has proved none of that. He's a great football player. We know that he's a great football player. But he hasn't really done a lot of anything. I mean, they've only really called his name on the broadcast a few times throughout the course of two weeks. $84 million asking for Sean Taylor's number, and you're not making plays. You're supposed to be one of the best players, if not the best player, on this defense, and you're not making plays. Obviously not having John Allen hurts, and that's one of the main reasons Dallas ran for 213 yards. Because I remember we talked about this game, teasing a little bit, leading up to it, like, hey, we held Zeke Elliott pretty good last year. That's when we kind of realized that our defensive line could be something special here. And uh, like I said, not having John Allen kind of hurts. But, I mean, 213 yards total for Dallas. And one of those plays, the the Dak Prescott read option thing shouldn't have counted. Jimmy Moreland clearly got held. It was obvious on replay. It was obvious when the play was going on. Clearly got held no call. Later in the drive, Jimmy Moreland gets called for a holding to give Dallas a first down, and they ultimately score the play after, so that's kind of cool. Sean Hockley kind of sucks. I saw that his name was going to be, that he was going to be officiating us this week, and my heart sank. He's the guy, if you don't know who Sean Hockley is, I know you recognize the last name because everyone knows who Ed Hockley is, but Sean Hockley is the guy in the preseason that completely butchered that pass interference situation with Kelvin Harmon, yet yeah, that was him. He was in charge of this game, so that's fun. Super, super fun. Love Sean Hockley. But long story short, he didn't let Dallas run for 213 yards. He didn't make Dak Prescott look like an all-pro quarterback. That was the defense. They got crushed. I don't know if there is a if there is a realistic way to fix it. I think the obvious thing would be like, hey, let's fire Greg Mineski. I don't know if that actually fixes anything, though, unless we are just 100% on board with this idea that he is not calling defense the way he should be. But I'm not 100% sure that that's where I'm going yet through only two games. So he it's easy to yell, like, hey, let's fire Greg Minuski. Maybe we should back off a little bit on that. There might be other ways to change it. I just don't really know how to change exactly what's going on here. That isn't just, hey, let's all get healthy. And because this is football, you don't really you don't really just be like, hey, guys, let's get healthy. And everyone's like, oh, sweet, we're healthy again. That's not how that works. So our defense is in a whole lot of trouble. Let's go to the offense. They were better than the defense. Not a whole lot better, though. Correct me if I'm wrong here, because I could have been hearing things. I could have been reading too deep between the lines last week. Did Jay Gruden not say that they wanted to commit to the run more? Did he not say that we were going to make some sort of emphasis on running the football to help get our offense in a rhythm? Am I just making this up? Because the Redskins ran the ball a grand total of one time in the first two possessions. Technically, it was two. One got called back for a holding. But as it stands on the box score, the Redskins ran the ball one time on the first two possessions. Now, in total, they ran the ball 17 times, which is four more times than last week's 13. So maybe they are making more of an emphasis on the running attack. But Lord have mercy, you got to be able to run the football. Jay Gruden has been at this job for, it feels like a lot longer than six years, but it's been about six-ish years, five, six years now, that Jay Gruden has been at the helm here in D.C., the offensive-minded head coach, Jay Gruden. How does he still not know how to commit to the run? Like It seems like it should be a little simpler than this. It seems like this topic of conversation, because this is not the first time we've had this conversation, this is certainly not going to be the last time we've had this conversation about the lack of running in the Redskins' offense. It seems like it happens every single year. And yet, the new year comes around, and they still don't commit to the run. I mean, what is he doing? He played quarterback. Doesn't he know how important a run game is to help a quarterback out? This seems like these concepts shouldn't be that difficult. But here we are in week two at home against a division rival. I know Dallas' defense is something special here. But we were able to do a little bit offensively in the past game. Just a little bit. Had we been able to run the football, I'm not saying it would have been a whole lot different on the scoreboard, but maybe it would have been a whole lot different on the scoreboard. This isn't an Adrian Peterson thing. This isn't a Darius Geis thing. This is about Jay Gruden not knowing how to run the football. Peterson did get into the end zone, which I was extremely happy about. He also passed Jim Brown for all-time leading touchdowns. He's three away at 107 from Walter Payton's 110 to jump in a fourth. So hopefully he gets that this season. But with the way that they run the football, I mean, who really knows? It's abysmal to watch Jay Gruden try to establish any form of running game. It's absolutely terrible. It's sickening. It really is. It's one of the things that I I'd like least about him. The list is actually kind of long. There are, some, there are some things that he does. That gets on my nerves a little bit. We ran for a total of 47 yards. Dallas had 213. It's no wonder they won. When you are establishing the run the way that they do, and I know they have Ezekiel Elliott, and he is pretty damn good, and he deserved a lot of that $90 million that he got. But we should still be able to run the football, Trent Williams or no Trent Williams. You have to be able to run to win in this league. You are not going to be able to pass your way into division wins with Case Keenum. And that's not even intended to be a knock on Case Keenum. He had a fine game, fine. But he is a fantastically average quarterback. This is not news to anyone. No one's sitting here saying, actually, I think Case Keenum, top 10. No one in their right mind is saying that. He is an average quarterback in this league. If you want to win with an average quarterback, you have to run the football. It is simple. And at the very least, it keeps your defense off the field a little bit so they can kind of get a breather and hopefully not let the other team walk right the hell down the field. Kingdom itself, like I said, he had a fine game. It was fine. Nothing great, nothing terrible. 26 to 37, 220 yards, two touchdowns. He missed a couple throws. There's a couple throws that he made that I actually couldn't believe that he made in like a negative. Like, there are a couple throws that he made that were pretty good. The touchdown to Terry McLaurin was a really great throw. But then for every touchdown to Terry McLaurin, there was a couple into triple coverage to Trey Quinn. He actually, I don't know if this was. Uh, this is going to be a pattern, but a lot of the throws he made, Case Keenum did to, to Trey Quinn, they weren't good. He threw into damn near triple coverage. He almost got picked off uh, on multiple occasions. Should have been a pick six. Thank you to Xavier Woods for dropping it. On a fourth down, he just missed Chris Thompson. He just missed him. I mean, if he hits Chris Thompson, that's a first down and the drive is, is moving on. He just missed him. And that's the type of throws that you can't have. That's what worried me because I watched Case Keenum in Denver and a little bit in Minnesota, and he did have a tendency to miss throws that an NFL quarterback should probably be making, especially late in the fourth quarter. And he, he just missed him. It, it, that's really all it was on a fourth and three. So if this is Jay Gruen's plan to like not run the football and just hope that Case Keenum bails you out, Maybe all the national figureheads who were predicting the Redskins to go three and 13, 4 and twelve. Maybe they weren't as wrong as I thought, because like a lot of people in the Hogs Haven community, I was right there saying that four and twelve nonsense is absolute nonsense. This team could go seven and nine, eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. I am very much backtracking on that based on what I've seen the past two weeks. Terry McLaurin, on the other hand, though he looked great, he was the one bright spot. Uh, he was really good in the second half. They didn't really attack him as much. In the first half, they did do a couple deep shots to Byron Jones. Maybe don't throw at him as much in single coverage. But in the second half, McLaurin was able to get some separation away from Byron Jones. He caught the touchdown against Byron Jones. Uh, that matchup was actually kind of a fun one, though, just purely from like a wide receiver, a uh, defensive back, and I, I love those matchups personally. So that was a kind of a nice matchup. Two really young guys, two guys that are going to play in this league at a high level for a long time. Hopefully, though, as I said, Byron Jones is the man out in Dallas and doesn't get paid and go somewhere else. Um, but Terry McLaurin did play good in the second half. I was pleased with that. He is earning that nickname, Scary Terry. Sorry, Terry Rozier, but it officially belongs to Terry McLaurin now. The penalties, or that's something we definitely need to address here. The penalties were killer. They were absolutely killer. There were a couple holding calls that killed drives. They really halt momentum. But at the same time, when I read the final the final team stats, the final box score, it really didn't feel like Dallas had uh, had more penalties than we did. They did, but it sure didn't feel like they did. It felt like we had a holding just about every single time we started to build any sort of real momentum. And they were on a guy like Brandon Sheriff had a couple holdings. That's a guy that I don't expect to have a lot of holdings. That's one of the guys that's really, really good at his job. One of the best guards, right guards in the league. Not a guy that I was anticipating to have a lot of holdings. Some of the calls were nonsense. I mean, they just were, and some, that's how those holding calls work every now and then. They're just nonsense, and Sean Harkley and his crew weren't exactly the best at their job to begin with, uh, but we need to stop those penalties. We just have to. Good teams don't let penalties dictate the flow of their offense, and for a majority of the first half especially, it seemed like the penalties were dictating the flow of our offense. And that's something we have to be able to, to push to the side. That's a disciplined thing, really. You have to be disciplined enough to know what you're doing and not commit silly penalties that are going to stall, not only to stall drives, but take away a couple big plays. I mean, Adrian Peterson had a nice run that was called back because of a holding. We just can't allow that. We can't. I mean, maybe that's the reason we aren't committing to the run game because we know the offensive line can't actually open up holes, and they're just going to get called back with holding. But I think that even though without, even though we don't have Trent Williams, our line itself has been pretty solid. I mean, Eric Flowers played fine today. And he's the guy that a lot of us have been worried about. He played, I thought he played fine. That left side seemed to be okay. It was the right side that was giving us some issues. And those are the guys that we're supposed to be leading on in this time of need because Trent Williams isn't here. So those penalties need to stop. If we really want to win against teams... Good or bad at this point, and maybe avoid going four and twelve, at least make it to five and 11, 6 and ten around that range. We need to stop with these silly penalties that stall drives. And that that's just what it is. So that's kind of the quick little wrap-up, the gist of this game. I'd love to know your thoughts at Denton underscore day on Twitter or down below in the comments on hogshaven.com. The final Redskins fall 31 to 21 against Dallas. Let's just hope that Monday night football against Chicago looks a lot better. That's it for me. I'll see you guys next week on the Pigpen Podcast.